Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Are you doing good? Good. It's great. What a great uh, time of praise and worship this morning. Absolutely amazing. Great to be together, everybody. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Graham. Uh, my wife, Rebecca, and I, so honored, uh, blessed, uh, privileged to be the lead pastors, just helping oversee all of our locations. Uh, we get to serve with Brennan Viv, and we just absolutely uh, love it. Um, this morning, we've got, just before we get into the Word, we've got something special to do. And that is, we wanted to take a point midway through the year to acknowledge, uh, but also, I, I think, freshly uh, see... Um, set apart all of our connect group leaders. Our connect groups are amazing. If you're not in a connect group, a connect group is a smaller group of people. We read it in Acts that the church was meeting not only in gatherings, but in homes. And uh, Rebecca and I have a connect group. In fact, we've been leading that connect group for just around two and a half years, something like that. Almost four. (laughs) Whoa! Swedish rounding. Gee, sorry. I really did. um... Okay, anyway, we've got five kids. Is that right? Seven. So um, anyway, there's two somewhere. But um, yeah, so we've been leading, wow, for four years. Great. And actually, Beck and I, um, we just absolutely uh, love, absolutely love that community and, and the ability to feel support and to be able to pray. And, you know, both moments in our own lives and our family lives where there's been loss or difficulty, our connect group's got around us. And that's where really those things. So as the church, as Ennisbrook's got bigger, it's had to get smaller simultaneously. And by the way, God is going to make Annisbrook a lot bigger year. There's still more people who need to know this real hope, not this old stale religion, this real hope in Jesus. And so our connect group leaders, those who are, who are charged to do that. Actually, if, if I was really honest, it doesn't come without a price tag. So, you, you know, as connect group leaders, it's a privilege, it's an honour. We're under shepherds, you know, we're, that's what we're doing. But you have a busy day at work and then you get home and you're like, flip, connect group. And, and, and you're thinking and you're, you know, you're getting into that frame of mind. We never, ever regret it, ever. But there are people in this room who are connect group leaders and, and that is part of what they do. It's part of the sacrifice of what they do. And you don't have to be special. You don't have to be a pastor to be a connect group leader at all. Um, in fact, we do, it, we do it because we just love to be connected. Seeing God do some amazing things and so do our other connect group leaders. And so... Um, I just heard last week, actually, of one, a guy in the gym. I saw him in the gym. He's a connect group leader. And just this last week, they saw four people baptized in the Holy Spirit and give, receive tongues in their connect group. And I think that's awesome because it doesn't rely on what, what we're doing here. God's, God can't be boxed. And so we're going to pray this morning for our connect group leaders because it's a very important role. How, Jared, how many connect groups are there at Saxton? 42 groups. Yeah, okay. So... And I'm not sure that everyone is here. There'll be, there'll be some in the city as well. But if you are a connect group leader or a co-leader, so you're in that leadership role, either you're the main leader or the assistant leader, could you just stand to your feet right where you're at right now? Can you just stand up? It'd be really great just to acknowledge everyone who's here today. Look at this. Can we put our hands together? Wow, that's absolutely amazing. So good. So very, very good. Um, grab a seat again. What I'm going to do is we're actually going to pray for you this morning and um, I'll get you to stand one more time. But Jesus said to Peter uh, upon where this this great um, situation arose after the cross, 
Peter felt like he'd lost his way. And very easy as leaders to feel like we lose our way or not know our way. That's the adventure of following the Spirit of God is that He keeps us on our toes. We keep listening to His voice. But um, the, the words Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. And I just want to encourage every Connect Group leader and every person who would ever consider it, but especially those here today, that what you're doing is you're feeding His sheep. It's personal. And God, you can bet your bottom dollar that God wants to refresh you. I just feel like for Connect Group leaders that God's going to give you a new confidence and a new boldness when it comes to your group. I'm going to believe that for us as well, Rebecca that our groups are going to multiply and increase and great care, but also great establishing and great um, strengthening is going to come. So one last time, I'm going to ask all of those guys to stand. And then I'm going to ask us as the church just to, if, you've, if it's your first time here this morning, it's actually quite a normal thing. It's like a team huddle, if you like. But if you're standing behind someone who's standing, then I just want, actually, I'll probably get everybody to stand. And uh, so first of all, all the Connect Group leaders stand one more time. Just stand where you are. And um, if you are near someone, big front row of them here, a couple of rows. But if you're near them, can you just stand up near them? Let's get the whole church now standing. Everybody stand up and just go and stretch out a hand. Or if you're near them, put a hand on them. They'll be fine with it. And let's just begin to believe and pray, okay? Father, let's pray together. Come on, stretch out a hand. Father, we thank you today for great grace flowing into lives and hearts of amazing, amazing individuals who pastor and connect and lead and love and pray. And I'm standing here today. We're standing here, Lord God, and I call on your power that your power would fill them with fresh confidence, fresh understanding. Their groups would multiply in life and joy, faith, that you give them wisdom, thank you that because they serve you they've got your ear and you have their ear and you're going to speak to them and I just pray where there's been a been there and done that attitude in us and where there is it's a challenge I pray for a push through I pray people are able to actually lean into you God and in their homes see the most amazing things take place and I ask you just to explode life and grace and favour protection over these ones as they feed your sheep Father, this year, I just pray there'd be a great refreshing, a great re-energizing, a great anointing in Jesus' name. Everybody see it, amen? Amen. Let's put our hands together and just thank God and congratulate those. Grab a seat again, everybody. Well done. If you want to be a Connect Group leader, um, please, uh, on the, on the um, Next Steps cards that are on your seat. You can be part of the answer. You can be part of the solution. And also, listen, you can grow in your faith. There is nothing more. Um, uh, I, I just think it's like petrol on your faith when you step out and you just want to care and love and lead and serve others. It's um, phenomenal. So I encourage you with that. Hey, um, where's Melody? Is she, she might be um, looking after a child or something like that. Was she there? Oh, there. Um, Mel, eh? Yeah, you. Yeah, you're Mel. She sings over here. Um, Am I correct in believing you guys still live in Tap, Tapawira? Yeah. What time did you leave this morning to get here? 6.50. And you drove. And how old's your child in the buggy? Yeah. 
So, just want to just want to say something. The vocalist here, who was really hoping we'd all enter into God's presence, come prepared and come ready to worship God. She left. They they left. Their family left at ten to seven this morning from Tapawira. And I saw you arrive actually because I arrived uh, as you were arriving and hopping out of the hopping out of your car. She brought her month nine month old and her husband <laughs> along. And I just salute you guys. I salute Jamie as well, who came all the way from Richmond, um, because that is a, that's a long way in the traffic. But I, I don't say that because these guys, oh, there you are, bro. These guys, I was looking for you down there. I don't say that because these guys do anything less. But just to, again, highlight the heartbeat of this church, I just honour you guys. I just, honestly, it's just an inspiration. And uh, may God bless you and your family for serving Him. Let's thank our whole worship team, though. Absolutely. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Grab a seat. Well, we start a brand new series, um, a mini-series this morning. We really, I, I felt in my heart and in my spirit we needed to touch on this. Um, and we're going to, this week and next week. And then um, tonight at team night, we're going to announce a series we're going to be doing after that, which is actually, we need a lot of prayer around. Um, there's some things going on in the world and in our country as we come up to elections. So we're going we're gonna to talk about it tonight first at team night. The reason we do that is we honour our leaders and honour those who serve. They get, the information should flow that way. We shouldn't drop stuff here on a Sunday that our, those who are dedicated and committed don't hear first. So we'll be doing that and then we'll let you know after that. But these next two weeks we've called revision, not revision, I hate maths. So it's re, I'm not good at it, revision. Solomon said that when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. That, by the way, is why what we're seeing in the world is what we're seeing, the confusion and the fumbling and the distress and the breakdown of society because we've done, humanity's done everything they can to kick God out. You know, like someone said, oh, um, you know, where is God when all this bad stuff's going on? The same place he was when the good stuff was going on. You know, like, like without God, there is no vision. There just is not. Um, and he has vision for our lives. If there's anything you remember, it's this. He has a vision for your life. I grew up under Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, give you hope in a future. The problem was the, the exegesis on that verse or the unpacking of that verse, I thought it was just one plan. And if I missed it, I was stuffed. Anyone else? I see some people nodding. And so I grew up with this fear around, I'm going to miss the plan, I'm going to miss the plan, I'm going to miss the plan. Sounded more like an auction, like a racehorse. Uh, but actually, God's will is like a playground. There are quite clearly boundaries and places. But he says to us, hey, within the confines of my will, why don't you go for it? I'll give you vision, just ask me. Vision for each season and seasons move and shift. So vision is vital and words are powerful. There is something intrinsically wired into vision and there is intrinsically wired into plans. I actually experienced this this very week. I got a text from my dad and um, he doesn't know I'm going to share this. Um, so if you know my dad, especially Simon, my brother, please do not tell him. Um, but it was a weird text. Like it was, in fact, I haven't even replied to it. I left him on scene. Like I totally did. I was just like, that text makes no sense. And um, so anyway, he sent me this text. And by the way, let me just, how old is dad, Ben? I don't know. I just, I just know good with numbers. Is he 63 or 60? Okay, I'm going to just round. 
Is he? He's 65. Is he? Any advances on 66? <laughs> what? Well, okay. I'm going to say this, and I'll get some hate mail for it. But anyone over 65, you've got an unusual relationship with cellular devices. Let me just say that. I get pocket calls. I get emojis that make no sense. I get it all. And yeah, I know. I mean, it's a generalization, but it's true. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I got this message after I visited my grandma. My grandma's 92, okay? I've got both my grandmas are still alive. This one grandma, when, it's kind of sad because I go, how are you doing, Bethy? And she goes, I'm still here. And I'm like, oh, that's no good. She goes, I'm, I've, I've had enough. I'm like, oh, man. Like, on the one hand, you've got people who don't want to go and they've got health challenges. And on the other hand, you've got, I'm still here. You know, like, I think, I think she said to one of my kids, her grandkids, um, she, they said, how are you doing, Bethy? She goes, oh, I wish I wasn't here anymore. It's like, oh, my gosh. Anyway. So during the week, I'd gone and visited my grandma, okay? So she's in a care facility. And uh, so anyway, my dad sends me this text. Just bring it up. Hi, Gray. Can you send a photo of yourself, the physio at, and I blanked it out, who saw you the, the other day, said you remind her of a movie star, but she couldn't quite remember her, um, who, I think he meant, Blessing's dad. Just leave it up there. I, um, I, I began to have, I, have, I mean, this is just weird. Like, why send a text like that? You know, like, I've, sent, I've left them on scene. I'm not sending a photo. Why does he not have a photo on me, of me on his phone? What sort of parent? Oh, yeah, I'll get him to send a photo of himself. What? That's lame thing number one. Number two, I didn't even meet a physio. I went straight down the corridor and hang out with my grandma. Like that's number two. But number three, what movie star? I started to think. I started to imagine. I started to have visions and dreams. This, this is the first thought. Just bring it up. I thought, well, what? 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 Why are you laughing? And then I thought, oh, no, nah, that's probably more Jared. You know, I think that's what I thought. I just thought, nah, nah. And then I thought this one. This one, and if you don't know who this is, it's Aquaman. And I really believe Aquaman, Aquaman, that's you, Jamie, when you had long hair and control. That's what I, that's who you are. But, you know, honestly, see, this is the problem with words and vision, isn't it? Because my imagination, I'm thinking number one, number two, but then reality kicks in, and I think she probably thinks this one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so I'm not replying to the text. It's weird. I don't like it. And if you see my dad, let him know. But, but that, that's the issue. That's the issue with vision. Um, you know when you've got it, and you know when you don't. Um, we're meant to live with vision. So when Jesus uses not the word movie star, but he uses the word church in Matthew 16, I think we do pretty much the same as that. Did he mean this? Did he mean that? What did he mean? There seems to be a lot of people who are experts on the issue, but I'm going to read you the text where the first ever mention of the word church comes in, ever, in, in the New Testament. And this is it. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, we're 16 chapters deep. 
So this is not the first thing Jesus ever says to people, but we're on a journey. And by the way, I do believe that God should be able to say new things to us as we journey on. And sometimes it seems heavier, trickier, deeper, but that's okay. Because look what happens. They reply, well, some are saying John the Baptist, others saying Elijah, and still saying Jeremiah. Now, the context of that seems confusing if you grew up in New Zealand. But in an Eastern mindset, the prophets were very, very important figures. And anyone who was religious or coming up through the ranks and being profiled like Jesus, they would think, first of all, prophet. Now, everyone was waiting for the Messiah, but that was not the first default position. So they're saying, oh, and by the way, Jesus is asking the whole group. Oh, let's get the group feel on this. And this is what they say. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say that I am? Twelve people were asked that question, and this is one man's answer. Simon answered, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Now, that phrase is very, very important to grasp. He, they, he just acknowledged this was God incarnate, the, the Son of God, Messiah long awaited. Jesus replied, Simon, you didn't get that from a podcast or from a textbook, but my Father in heaven has revealed that to you. Goes on to say this. Ready? All one conversation. Now I will tell you who you are, Peter. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Church. Church. That word church. First mentioned New Testament. Building. Venue, day of the week, day of the fortnight, day of the three weeks. What's the rhythm now? We don't really know, do we? Brand, logo, none of these things are really inherently wrong. It's just not what he meant there. Movie star, church. It was clear. If you were of that um, first century Jew, you knew what word he was using because it was a common word that he was using in respect to their spiritual journey. And I'm gonna read another translation to you that better translates it so you can understand what he was saying. Put up the Passion Translation. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I build my church, the legislative assembly. The legislative assembly and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. So this word, just keep that up there. That church word is translated ekklesia. That's a word, Greek word, ekklesia. And what it actually means is those who are called out from the world, called out ones, a legislative assembly. A, an assembly, a legislative assembly. Now, now that word, the closest picture you've got to it, and I've got to it today for a picture word, a vision word, what's the vision of the church? Okay, the closest word would be this an embassy. The closest English word would be embassy. New Zealand has 50 embassies overseas. And they're in foreign territory, so they're in a foreign nation. But for all intents and purposes, these embassies, as soon as you walk on their soil, it's a legislative assembly. Because what they have is, they have laws and values and they have um, governance that is New Zealand. Even though you're in a foreign nation, as soon as you, basically you get through the gate and they give you a jar of Marmite. That's, that's what's going on. You are home. And there will be, there will be Kiwi accents and, and that's what's over the threshold. And the purpose of an embassy is to bring home, in our case, the kingdom, the rule of God, the purposes of God, 
the way that our Jesus, this King, thinks and works and acts, the church's job is to bring that to a foreign land. The church is the embassy of heaven to bring the rule of God to this foreign land, which answers the question, what happens when you get saved? Salvation is essentially being saved from the clutches of death and sin. Sin is a very real issue. And by the way, um, sin can't be defined as one action alone, but as systemic, it's a system. And it runs through our veins the moment we're born. And first original sin was, as we read in Genesis, Adam and Eve choosing to go their own way, do their own thing, but it brought a curse. And the curse was sin and death. And um, man was never meant to be under that. But God already provided a way out, salvation through Jesus Christ. When he died on the cross, his blood was spilt out and his body was broken that anyone who put their faith in that cross action, the person and the saviour, well, when you put your faith in him, something goes on in here and the system of sin and death breaks, its holds broken. And suddenly you're awakened to this fact that God is true, God is real, God is alive, God is working and you go on this journey. So question is, what happens when you get saved? Because biblically, you get plucked out of the world. Not the planet, but out of the system. There are some Christians who are a little bit like that though, aren't they? They're plucked out of the world. They're pretty much good for not much else. They've got, they've got such a heavenly view, they have no earthly use. But conversely, people who have earthly use have no heavenly revelation. So, so where does God put you when he saves you? He's plucked you out of the world system. Where, where do you go? And this is going to be a big shock to people. It's going to be a big shock to a lot of people listening on this podcast. Because believe it or not, God actually now putting his spirit in you has made you a citizen of heaven but he didn't take you off to heaven, did he? He kept you on the planet. So where does he put you? The family of God, the church, the legislative um, group and gathering of believers to whom he is king. And that's why it's a shocker when people think, I don't go to church anymore. Well, if you've truly got faith in Jesus, you're fundamentally wrong. You may not go to gatherings, that's okay, Gatherings are different, but you are part of the church and you would have to get God to change how he does things to change that. Now, you might not actively be fundamentally aligned with it. Well, then questions of all sorts of other things are gonna come in, aren't they? Like, where's your salvation at? What's your mind? Where, where are you thinking? Where's your thinking? But for today's purposes, I'm not here to tell you on week one of this two-week mini-series what Annasbrook's vision is for the church. I'm here to tell you what God's vision for the church is. Because the word Annasbrook, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's helpful because we need ways to identify things. And there's lots of different churches because they reflect the bigness of who God is. By the way, I just want to say something culturally for a minute. I would encourage no one to be critical of other churches. In fact, I, I believe that there's purpose, if any church exists, there's a purpose under heaven for that legislative community who are called to be an embassy to bring heaven to earth. And they do it in a way that's different to us. But you never, I, I got touched by God at your grandma's funeral, um, Ashley and Jamie and Tim and Jesse and Emma. There's five. I just named them all. At Mott, uh, was it your grandma? Or was it, um, I think it was her funeral at the Anglican church or the church next to the smoking barrel. That's how you identify it next to a restaurant. Was it there? Grandma? Granddad, was it a f- Were you there? 
Ashley was there. I've got a real good memory, people. And I was three quarters of the way back. I hope I've got the right family. Anyway, I was three. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was three quarters of the way back, sitting down down the back of this Anglican Presbyterian thing. Church, church, building, building. And as the funeral's going on, there's, there's, the seats weren't that comfy. The music was not that contemporary. There was no dimmable lights, but the Spirit of God touched me. I was 24 and I needed a fresh touch from God, a fresh touch from God. Because God is not building venues alone. He's all up for taking ground and taking venues and them housing what He's doing, but it's the movement, it's the embassy. Our job is to bring heaven to earth, to change the rule of how culture and the church works. That's your, your role. Your role is, not only is that the church, the church is an embassy, but every believer is an ambassador. Um, bring up the verse, um, Miss Eagle. Um, it says this, Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, they've become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order, I explained it before, has vanished. It's been dealt with through the blood of Jesus, the cross. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Watch this. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to Himself and given you a ministry of reconciliation, reconciling others to God in the same way. In other words, Paul says, it was through the anointed one, Jesus, that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transactions, transgressions, excuse me, and he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door, a reconciliation to God. We are the ambassadors of Jesus, and we carry the message of Jesus into where the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So that deals with this idea. You're just a pew warmer. You're not a pew warmer. I'm just a number. You're not just a number. I'm, I'm just part of the furniture. Weird statement. What do you do when you come in? Just sit there like a chair. I don't know. You know, you've got to have good core strength. Bad humour. But you know, I'm not just part of the furniture. Oh, I, I'm kind of here to be seen but not heard. None of these things are fundamentally what the church is. You are part of an embassy, if you've put your faith in Jesus, called the church, and through this gathering, not this meeting right now, but through this community, God is working His rule and His way and the culture of heaven, meant to be anyway, out into the earth. And you and me have special roles. We're called ambassadors. We've got a ministry to bring that reconciliation in all the different ways. How God's gifted you and how God's built you, David Ball. And great guy, Lakeisha, great couple. Great guy and great girl, great family. Like on them, what's the gifts on them? What's the calling on them? They're called to be ambassadors in the embassy of God. They're here for this time and this reason. And they're building their family. And they're, and they're raising the kids and the studying and upskilling and they're, and they're doing work as well, volunteering for church and st other stuff. And, and, but with their lives and with their skills, they're bringing a uniqueness to their ambassadorship. So are you. So are you. You're an ambassador. You've got this authority that God's invested in you. You are part of what? Colossians says, Colossians 2, I don't have it on the screen, that Christ brought us together through His death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace um, uh, and all that was to end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to us as outsiders, and He treated us as equals 
So it made us equals that through the same Spirit, we've got equal access to the Father. Now this Colossians, um, excuse me, Ephesians 2, listen to this. It's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You're not just pew warmers. You're not just, you know, guests necessarily. You belong here. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it goes on to say. You have as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. On earth, He's building this huge home. And He is using all of us, reading now, irrespective of how we got here and in what He is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation, but now He is using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus as the cornerstone, so that all of the parts hold together. We see it taking shape day after day, which means sometimes you can't see exactly what God's doing, but you know He's doing something. Even though we don't see it, you're moving. Even though I don't feel it, you're moving. You never stop. God's been building something. God's been doing something. God's, it's hard to see what He's doing. Sometimes we're not sure if we're taking ground or losing ground. Sometimes we don't know if, which way is up or down. But what we do know is that God is building His church, His legislative community. And we're meant together as He builds us in to be making a difference in the world. Together. Together. I'm stronger because you're in the room. You're stronger, hopefully, because I'm in the room. Fingers crossed. We, God's knitting us together. This is the church. And you are called by Jesus Christ himself. And until that is your vision of church, listen to this. Until that is your vision of church, we're tripping up all over ourselves. We make it an event. It's not an event, guys. Jacob said in the book of Genesis, future telling the church, the word Bethel, meaning this meeting place, this gathering place. He said he saw a vision of these ladders and angels coming up and down. He was on a journey, a crazy journey. It's a picture of our salvation. Where out of your flesh, you're trying to make things happen, but you realize that you need God. And so he came to this place. He'd wrestled for rights. He'd tried to get a blessing, the only blessing that can really come upon your life to make you whole and make you the person you're always meant to be is meant to come by God. That's the reason the story's in there. And then he goes to sleep with his head on a rock and he has a vision. And you know the vision, ladders, snakes and ladders, not snakes, but ladders, angels and things. And he's like, hold up, hold up. I had no idea. See, many people walk into this place and just have no idea that right now there's a big portal above us. Angels coming backwards and forwards. This is none other than the gate of heaven, he said. And this is none other right now than the gate of heaven. In fact, every time we get together, the portals opened up. And any two or three of you are gathered, there I am in the midst of you. But believers have got to believe it. It's, it's got to be our vision. You've got to understand, we're not coming together for a, a lifeless meeting. God is in our midst. And we are being revisioned, we're being re-energized, and we're going back out again to make a difference because we are the embassy and you're an ambassador. We do have an event. We do have events. We have gatherings. Do not forsake the gathering together of the saints as some are in the habit of doing, Paul wrote. There was an issue then. People get the pip. People get offended. And by the way, we do offend. There's probably things I've said this morning that have offended people. It's, it's basically impossible as humans not to offend somebody. And it's impossible as humans not to be offended. But actually, you know, it doesn't mean we can't talk about it. We do sometimes need to talk about stuff. But people get into a habit of not meeting together. I don't know what... what ideology they had got during that time. 
but it was probably an event ideology. A place, a location, a day, a moment. You have not been saved into an event. We do these so that we can stir our faith back up again. So God can move, so God can speak to us. And also, don't forget this one, so we can worship him. Because you know, you know worship when you go, oh, I don't get much out of the worship today. Good. It wasn't for you. It was for your king. And for some reason, he's decided he would like you to minister to him. You know, when we're worshiping, we're like, God, touch me. God, touch me. God, touch me. Wrong. Wrong. Like, sweet, if you really need a touch from God, all power to you. But the, the whole framework of worship is not, God, touch me. God, touch me. Me, 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 me. It is this. I bless you. You are so worthy. You're actually amazing. You're wonderful. When I think about all that you've done for me, and I don't know why he gets a kick out of it, but the Bible says as we minister to him, his heart is touched. Oh, look at the ground. It's much less awkward. Did you come today to minister to God? I lifted my head too soon, way too soon. Okay, so we make it an event. Um, Band, jump up here real fast. Until we get that vision as a church, we're tripping up all over ourselves, all over ourselves, and we make it about the, the, the other thing. You ready? What is it that we need in a church? We probably need some stuff, I guess, like power. What was the heating like? Was it cold as you came in today? We're trying to fix it. So we need power, we need heating, we need things. And I get that. I, I do get that. But from time to time, I hear these statements that, yeah, um, I really need a church that, that my teenagers can enjoy. And hey, we've got how many, Beck? One, two, three, nearly four teenagers. So we get it. Like we want a church that's relevant, contemporary, and we should be progressing. Like new songs coming out, Graves into Gardens might not be your thing. That's all good. But it might just be some young people, a new generation who just need to hear it in everyday language that they can connect with. I don't know. But I want to tell you one other thing. As much as I want this church to be where my teenagers can connect, it's more important that Rebecca and I really connect. Here's why. Because if I'm here grinding my teeth during the service and hoping it's over with, but I know my kids like the relevancy, when they leave one day to study or go wherever, and then they see that we've gone straight after, they've got a pattern for adulthood. They're gonna ask a question. Do you know what the question is? Why weren't they into it? So more effective than having a relevant church to take your teenagers is this. When your teenagers see two people who are ambassadors, who believe they've been called into an embassy and they're on fire for Jesus. Fire. When you're on fire for God, it will do more than the songs you're singing, the style, and actually they wanna see, are you following him? I'm just saying it as it is, truly. I when I say we're on fire for Jesus, it doesn't mean we're perfect and we've got it all together and it's a big performance. We're trying to work this thing out too. But they're part of that. They're part of those conversations. Most nights I'll go and lay my hands on my kids at bedtime. Why? Because I'm a pastor? No, I'm an ambassador. That this is a portal. God wants to do something in this moment. Izzy is 14 and he begs us both to go pray for him. I, I sneak in to pray for Paris, but she's a little bit, she's like, oh, just stay away from me, daddy. You know, like, like 16 and why a moonwalk? I don't know. But anyway, mostly we eat tea 99.98% of the time around a table. Always have. 
and we pray before our meals. And at a lot of dinners, we talk about God, I'd say 40% of them. We talk about the kingdom. We talk about life. When your kids see you ambassador, they will be ambassadors too. That's not to condemn anyone. Because if you've got young adults and you didn't do that during your teens, it's not too late. Get on fire for Jesus. And lastly is this, is that until we have this vision of the church, okay, we're going to keep making celebrities out of saints. And I feel like for us, it's a little bit of Kiwi culture. It's a little bit of the West that we come and see some people do their thing on a Sunday. And that is not what's going on at all. See, in this moment that this legislative assembly has announced, some people have just got a revelation of the great hero, the great king, the great shepherd, Jesus. Every church, every gathering, every assembly is meant to have one hero. We learn to honour, we learn to, you know, we have great examples before us, but only one saviour, only one king, only one God. And let me just say this, that as long as we make it about everything else, um, Jared, on my seat, can you just grab the booklet under Beck's seat there? Until we make it, thanks, until we actually make it about what we're really called into, that the church, the church of Jesus Christ, it's not a club, it's not an event, it's not a building, it's a movement, it's alive, it's us, the living stones, it's God putting a spirit on us and leading us. Until we do that, and until we make the hero Jesus, not celebrity, until we've got to stop looking at people and we've got to start even more so looking at Jesus, looking to Jesus, all together, looking to Jesus. He'll tell us what to do. He'll tell us where to go. He'll tell us what to focus on. He'll tell us what to start. He'll tell us what to stop. Don't you think? If we look to Him, look at, honestly, that's the vision that he's the, he's the one. But I really believe that in that moment, in that revelation, when we get a revelation of what this is really about, anything is possible. When you close your eyes and begin to imagine what sort of church do you see? Is it a church so consumed with impacting the world for Jesus that style, method and comfortability always come second? Imagine a church that is one in heart, but expressed in multiple locations, reproducing itself a hundredfold across the globe. A church with strong DNA, clear about who it is and where it is heading. Is it a church so filled with vision that people everywhere are inspired and influenced far more? A church that refuses to remain in the past, but constantly looking towards the future. Imagine a church where leaders can thrive and grow, where the greatness in people is discovered, equipped and released, becoming influential in all, all spheres of life. Imagine a healthy church where growth and forward movement flow out of that health, a culture that's rich in grace, amen, and emotionally whole, where the gospel of Jesus is both declared and lived. A church moved along by the power of heaven, where people love to pray and God's presence can be known and experienced. The power there flows with life and love. It transforms, heart, transforms hearts and impossible situations in a moment. That's the unity factor where God commands the blessing. A place where the only way to describe what God is doing is by Ephesians 3.20, more than you can ask, hope, or even imagine. Can you imagine a passionate people who really love God and where worship is a lifestyle? The kind of place where overflowing love spills out and infiltrates society at large. A church that loves God's Word. A church that loves all people. Imagine a church filled with laughter and fun. A people who embrace spontaneity and joy. 
a joy found in Christ. Imagine a church that's the life of the city, people. Imagine a church that's for the city. Imagine a church that knows the power of honour, esteeming and lifting all people into the image God sees, seeing the gifts that God's placed in each person that can be fulfilled. Imagine a church that the unchurched absolutely love to attend. Excellent, brilliant, positive and life-giving. The church is, the ch- this church is creative, innovative and its passion inspires all who attend. A church reaching those who haven't ever been before. Imagine a church that so loves the world that it's relentless in the invite. Always including, always looking outward, always a blessing because they've been so, so blessed. Imagine a church that cannot be contained, spreading out into communities, cities, regions and nations, unable to stem its growth, impossible to stop. Imagine a church that is constantly overflowing because Jesus is right there, present. This church reaches all generations, old and young alike. Imagine a church like that. Imagine Annensbrook being that church. And I challenge you today, and I speak and declare over every person that you would be filled with vision for a church like that. Not just a church like that, but the church as it's meant to be. That you would understand you've been called to be part of the embassy of heaven on earth. You are an ambassador. You are faith-filled, ready for action. You have been called, you've been purposed, and God is using your life. And I pray that you'd be stirred to a new revelation that Ephesians 1.17 would be our mandate, that God would grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might know Him better and know the purpose to which He has called you, that you would be alive and that you truly would be living your life for Him. Can I hear an amen or something like that? Give God some praise this morning. We're part of something so much better. And I'm gonna pray this morning to finish as we close um, this gathering. We're not closing the church. You can't close it. You can't shut it down. It's spreading. It's growing. It's moving. It's, it's not even just defined by us. Other gatherings are going around all around the city, all around the nation right now. But I'm going to pray this, that our eyes would be opened in such a powerful way and that God would do something amongst us that is so, so incredible. So, so empowering. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you just stand your feet? And um, just close your eyes for a minute. Holy Spirit's here. He's, he has been here. But when I say that and when we say that, um, there's just an impressing of the Holy Spirit with us right now. Thank you that you just start speaking to people, God, right now. Just close your eyes. Just, just fix your eyes on Jesus for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that that, uh, you're here, you're moving. Father, open eyes today, the eyes of our understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Open our hearts to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your church. I've always loved your church, Lord, ever since I was a little kid. I used to nag my parents, you know, be there as much as I could. Let the same love that you have for your people, that you have for your church, the same calling, the same understanding and the same mandate come and fill our lives. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes. Lord, I ask you to give us understanding.
Thank you for your presence that's with us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you said you'd build your church. Pray for the world that they would know that we're here because it would feel just like you. Let the rule of heaven, let the culture of heaven, let the values of heaven be expressed through our lives, our everyday lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One last time, give God some praise. When we praise Him together, just give Him some praise. Come on, just for a second. I'm going to pass this to Jared. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what your next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website, annasbrook.co.nz.